He made Him who knew no sin that we might become His righteousness, the righteousness of God in Him. Matthew 9, 37, then He said to His disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore pray that the, uh, the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest field. And, 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 and we want to talk about this. We were, I was meeting with some, some friends yesterday for an all-day kind of prayer and talking about the conditions of the world, some people I love and admire and some I just met. And uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal, some of the things that were said and spoken uh, about the external pressures we're facing in the world today. And not only the external pressures that we're facing, but the internal. I think sometimes the internal pressures that we are facing today are quite even more uh, difficult. They're more troublesome. And we're, we're, the Bible says we're to be at peace with our own conscience. And the internal pressures cause us to not have peace with God. They cause us to have a, a, a seared and defiled conscience if we're not careful. The enemy's always coming to attack in our mind. He's always coming to just uh, to, to bring things against us. And, 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 and so we want to combat that today. We want to look at some things in God's Word and see what God's Word has to say. Because once we're saved, we are saved to serve. How many know that God's Word quickly tells us that once you're saved, you're not saved to just, you know, if we were, if we were not saved to serve, then why not just put us under baptismal waters and then just let us die and go into glory? But we are saved for a purpose. He has a, he has a purpose for the church of Jesus Christ. He has a purpose for the believer in this room. You're not, it's not just the pastor. It's not just just a teacher. It's not just that person you admire and look over to your left and to your right. You are called as a believer to do something that God has purposed for you to be able to do in this world and in this hour for His kingdom and His glory. Amen? He's given us gifts and He's given us callings and He has, he has, a, he has a specific way He wants to use your life to impact the kingdom. And I got news for you. It's not in a home being afraid of coronavirus. Please, please, please wake up. The church of Jesus Christ has always gone into dangerous situations. It has always gone into places where diseases were. It's always left shores and put families on boats and gone into places where leprosy colonies were, where, where uh, malaria was, where they knew they may catch it and never come back again. But they were propelled by the love of God to say the world needs Jesus more than I need to have great health. Amen? And if God wants you to have great health in the midst of it and live to be 99 or 199, He can do that. Amen? But we are never to draw back in fear. And my fear right now is we've got so many people in homes today that are depressed. We've got old people that are afraid to come out of their homes right now. And they're lonely and they're afraid. And folks, we either need to, we either need to encourage them to come back here or we need to go to them. They need the body of Christ. Amen? 
They need the body of Christ around them. Please don't be alone in this hour. Please. We need each other. We need people. I know there's dangers out there. I know there's things going on. Use wisdom. Be smart. But folks, I'm seeing a lot of unhealthy habits and practices now in people's lives. And the church needs to be gathered together. It needs to be mobilized. She needs to be going into the world, not running afraid of the world. We need to be going into the need. We need to be going into the places. We need to be getting on planes, going into the nations and going around the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ while there is still time. Yes, do it on the internet. Yes, do it in every facet and avenue and place you can possibly do it. Do it more now than we've ever done it before. Open this Bible. Go to your neighbor. Go bake a pie so that it can be a conversation starter to talk to somebody about the love of Jesus Christ now. Hallelujah. Invite somebody into your home. Have a Bible study. Do something. Do something for the kingdom of God now while the hour is so late and and while the laborers are so few. That's what he said. He said he desires for our life to make an impact in our generation. And he said the laborers are few. And let me say something about that when I was talking about the older generation. We need you. This group of people that I sat with yesterday in this fellowship hall around a table were 60, 70, and 80-year-old men that called me and said, we're not done yet, and we want to meet with you and some other pastors. I said, glory to God. We want to, we want to know how we can help you. What can we do to still serve? I, they said, I'm not sitting in a room and dying. I want to serve until I do die. And they said, what can I do? And that's what we talked about around the table is these guys. And they were refreshing the wisdom coming out of their mouth as I listened to them. Just tell me some things that were great. They, they have pastored before. They've done things before. They've been in the body of Christ a long time. They've seen a lot of things. And it was absolutely uh, amazing and we need that look he says the laborers are few your your time is not done folks if you still got breath in your lungs you are needed in this vital fight and warfare that we are in take the gospel to the world now amen hallelujah hallelujah so 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 god if the laborers are few then god and you're wanting to be used and i believe you're here today i believe you want to be used If you're wanting to be used by God, then would God, if knowing the laborers are few and there's so few willing to go, do you think He wouldn't want to use every one of us in this room today? Absolutely He wants to use every time every one of us in the room. But here's where the struggle often with this truth comes into play where where we have a problem. We get saved. we, We desire to be used. And then somewhere along the journey, you begin to understand that even though I'm a Christian, I have faults. And this is where the problem comes. This is where the battle begins to, to, to come and to really fight us. That, that I'm a Christian now, and, and whoa, I, whoa, it was a honeymoon period, but now the honeymoon is wearing off, and I want to be used by God, but all of a sudden I'm starting to see all these failures in my life, all these faults in my life, all these things that are going on, and how can God use somebody like me? Come on. 
Come on, how can God use somebody with these, all these wrong things that are going on in my life? I remember when I began to launch out into ministry. If you ever have had that call, that burden on your life, you get saved and man, nothing's going to stop you from going and pursuing what God is calling you to do. But I can remember after a little bit of time, man, I was going to win the world. I was going to chase devils out of town. I was going to win the whole world to Jesus. I was going to be the next Billy Graham. But then all of a sudden, man, something after you get down the road a little bit and start doing it, you know, all of a sudden, all these things begin to surface in your life, like old wounds and old habits and old things that you thought were gone and that were broken off of your life. Now they're beginning to be surfaced and the devil's just right there in your ear. Who do you think you are preaching the gospel? Who do you think you are taking the word of God to people? You ought to just quit. You, you, you know, you need to stop until you get all these things in your life straightened out and then you'll be worthy to go out there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he can really do a number on you in your mind and in your conscience, but I got good news. God's power is greater than your despair. And that's what it does. It brings despair down in your life to where you don't want to do anything. You want to quit. You want to give up. You want to say there's no hope. Well, I'll just leave that. That's for the pastor. That's for that teacher. That's for this person. That's for those singers. And he wants to get you in such a place of despair that you don't think God is willing and able to use your life. So serving the Lord is is not just a ministry, but it's a warfare. Listen to me. It's not just a ministry. It's a warfare. It's a warfare. And God has... But, but, but here's the good news. God has an anointing. An anointing to put... The, the, the devil to destroy the works of the devil. It's on you as a believer. He has an anointing on your life to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he wants to do. Jesus came to destroy the devil's influence in people's life. And he has an anointing that goes past our strength and our abilities, past our failures, and it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley and it begins to set the captives free. He has the power here today to undo the work of darkness in people's lives. He has the power to loose your mind. He has the power to heal. He has the power to deliver. He has power to set free people free from things they battled all their life. Amen? But how many know the devil's not just going to sit by and say, go ahead, destroy my works. Go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead, preacher, on Wednesday night and destroy my works. Go, 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 go ahead and, 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 and take something to the neighbor and show them the love of God. Take a cup of cold water to them and, and just do it freely. No, that's not exactly. So, so many leave the work of God. If you saw the statistics of men and women leaving the work of God every single day and every single year, it's staggering. There was a book written years ago, a few years ago and it said 18,000 pastors walk away from God's call on their life every year. 1,500 pastors a month quit the ministry because they get discouraged. And, and the real battle, folks, the real battle and warfare in this in truth against, is truth against lies. That's exactly what it is. It's the truth of God's Word against the lies. And the question is, who are you going to believe? Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? Are you going to believe the lies of the devil that are coming in and attacking your mind? Or are you going to believe? One of the things we discovered yesterday is we've got a whole church world now that only speaks to the mind of people. We've got all these skinny jean preachers that can preach so eloquently mental messages and they never come to the heart. 
They never reach anything beyond this. And we go, wow, wow, what intellect. Boy, he can put a sermon together. And we got a whole church of mental, mental. And, and that's why you're seeing just discouragement and despair. It never goes to the heart. It never undoes the bondages. It never, it never, it doesn't have an anointing to set the captives free. It, it just, in the real battle of the warfare, it, it, it's not commanded. It's not the commanded word of God. It's just this perceptive word. It's just this, it's just, this, this, you know, these ideas and tips about a lifestyle being better. And they're good sermons and they're good things about tips for your lifestyle. But I'm talking about the word of God that is commanded. That it doesn't leave a yes or no, it's commanded. Thus saith the Lord. It's commanded out of the pulpit and it doesn't go, it goes through the mind and it cuts through the bone and it cuts through the marrow and it goes through the heart and it penetrates and it transforms and it changes and it leaves people different than the way they came. And the real battle and the real warfare against the lies of Satan that he's coming against us with is who will you believe? You got to rise above the discouragement. You got to rise above the scare, uh, above the, the warfare uh, and, and, and recognize that it's really real and he's after us and what is the greatest warfare a believer will face I'm sorry I didn't get a powerpoint ready what is the greatest warfare a believer faces I believe it's this the way God sees you in Christ I believe it's the way God sees you in Christ if you see yourself in a way that Christ doesn't then you're then you're going to be in trouble and that's what the devil is constantly trying to convince you. He's trying to convince you that God sees you as unclean. That's, how, that's what that scoundrel is trying to do in every one of your ears to keep you from serving in the kingdom of God and say, well, let's just watch a preacher do it. That's what's keeping you from opening your home up and bringing in people and teaching the Word of God yourself. That's, what, that, that's, what's, that's what's keeping us from, from, from signing up to do more things here is because we're sitting back and the enemy is coming against us with all sorts of lies and he's trying to get you to see yourself different than the way Christ sees you. He's trying to say, look at your flaws, Daniel. How dare you? You don't have a right. Look at your flaws, Nana. How, how can you read and understand the Word of God? You might as well not even try it. And, you know, and then he's coming. Raymond, who, who are you? you? You know, last week you did this. You spoke harshly to your wife. Who are you to even go to church or, or even get up and preach a sermon, you know? Did he, Brittany? Amen. <laughs> Lord, she gave a good amen on that. Sorry, Raymond. He wants to convince you you're displeasing to God. And I've heard that out of your lips as this COVID began. I don't know if I'm saved. I'm concerned if I'm saved. When more comes on the world, I want to make sure I make it. I'm hearing a lot of that out of people's lips and their mind. And I'm not condemning casting on more on top of you because I've been there. But God's voice can rise louder than the enemy's voice. And he has something better to say about you. Peter described the enemy like this. He said, John, he roars as a roaring, he, he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy and devour. He's roaming through here 
you know, oh, you believe you're, you can do something in the church? Rawr! Oh, you want to be used by God? Rawr! And he's roaring. Do you know they say a lion's roar can reach like, I'm talking like five or six miles. Like you can hear it for a long, long way. I mean a long way. And, and that's what this scoundrel is doing. He's trying to get his voice above all other voices to begin to tell you what you, all these things about you, all these failures, that God's displeased with you, that God no longer loves you, that God no longer cares, and that disqualifies you from doing anything in the kingdom of God, in the work of God, or, in, or, or for God. And his loudest roar is this, you are unclean and you're a failure. And God is displeased with you. And I've lived with that walk of being disappointed for long enough. I've lived under that cloud of the enemy constantly coming to me. Well, look at that. Look at that. You haven't got this place fixed yet. You haven't got that place fixed yet. And just constantly, your attitude last week was this way. You did this this way. And just constantly roaring against me, trying to throw me into a pit. A pit of despair. And that's where he's got a lot of us this morning. Is down in a pit in despair, listening to the roar of the lion. But I want to take the second part of this message and it's going to be real quick and I want us to look from God's perspective at the way God sees you and I pray today this voice goes louder than the other voice listen to what 1 Corinthians 1 2 says it says the church of God to the church of God which is at Corinth to those who are sanctified in Jesus Christ and are called to be saints to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints. That means he's saying, set apart in Christ, called to be saints. You know what that word saint means? It means most holy one. Now that almost sounds blasphemous when I tell you, you are a saint and you are a most holy one. And it would be blasphemy if I said it, but it's God who said it. If you are in Christ, you are a He sees you as a most holy one. He sees you today as a saint. And when I look at my people, I see them as most holy. When you got saved and you put your confidence in Christ, you are covered in His protection. You are covered in His blood. You have a wedding garment on you that you are clothed in Christ and you are seen as perfect. You're seen as perfect. Yeah, some of you halfway believe it. You are seen as perfect. You're covered by His righteousness. And you know what I love about Christ's righteousness? His righteousness gives you room to grow and you ought to write that down because if it was up there, you need to, that's a note-taking place. His righteousness gives you room to grow and change. We need to give some people some room to grow and change and put your rocks down. Right, 
It gives you room to grow and room to change. Every day I'm changing from image to image and glory to glory. And while you, but while we are changing, God's saying, I see you as perfectly holy. Please get this today. Please get this. This is the key. As in fact, read Hebrews. If you don't believe me, read. We ought to have already moved on beyond these elementary, beyond these things. We shouldn't have to go back and, and wonder about our righteousness and about baptism and some of these things. But yet we do. You need to understand today, folks, that His righteousness is absolutely perfect. It is absolutely flawless. It is absolutely failure-proof. It is absolutely perfection. And every day, even though He's sanctifying me, and I'm changing from image to image and glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God, even though I'm not what I was yesterday, and He's changing me little by little by little by little, yet there's still some flaws and failures that I see in my life that aren't gone yet. He is still seeing me as perfect. You are not perfect. But the one you are in is perfect. And for that reason, I see you as perfect. Are you in Christ? Are you in Him today? Because if you are in Him, then the Father sees you as perfect because of the blood and because of the work. And the enemy roars and the enemy wants to point out all your flaws and the enemy wants to point out all your failures. And I, in fact, yesterday I sat with this man that was so wise beyond my years and I sat there and I said... I was struggling with this. And the man, in the most loving way, he was trying not to offend me. He, he said, do you know why you struggle with this? Or do you know why people struggle with this? I think he was trying to be nice and not call me what he was about to say. He said, because you're focused on self and it's self-righteousness that causes you to worry about your failures. It's eyes on your perfection and not on his perfection. And 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 so 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 that's why your conscience is never is is always you're always got this thing going on inside. Because we're looking inward, we're looking at self rather than to him. But God is working something into us while, while we are in these places. He is working something into us little by little by little. And he's saying when the enemy comes in like this, you are to stand in your position. There's sometimes you've just got to stand in this position, knowing who you are in Christ. You've got to stand in the righteousness of Christ. No devil, you know what? I did struggle last week. No my temper did get the best of me but Christ is going to get my temper out of me and until then I stand right here in the position that I am perfected through Christ and sometimes you know what he doesn't say stand any longer he says fight 
Fight in your position of Christ. Fight in the position that Christ has given you to fight in. And He lets us go out in the power of His might and we begin to fight from not our position of righteousness, but from the position of Christ, being in Christ, and we fight in His righteousness. So let me show you something in closing here in John 12. If you got your Bible, go to John 12. And I want to show you a picture of what happens. And just kind of now an object lesson to close this thing out. And hopefully we've helped somebody here today in this battle to serve, in this battle to go out and minister and serve that, uh, that we, can, we can fight and stand from a position of, of, of being clean in our, in our Savior and that He's working something into us. Yes, He's changing us from image to image and glory to glory as we continue on in Him. John 12 and 1, it says this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was and had been dead. Whom he had raised, or he, whom had been dead, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly spikenard, anointed his, the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Now, what this picture is, is this is a, a breaking of this ointment. It's just a picture of pure and undefiled worship before God. This is just the expression of Mary's heart freely. Freely, her adoration upon Jesus. She's just free to adore Him. Free to give, unhimited. Just going out in the freedom, like when you got saved and all of a sudden, you now could raise your hands before God. You felt worthy to raise your hands to God. I belong to Him. He has taken my sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. I believe that. I'm His. I'm a child of God. You can bend your knee. You can clap your hands and join in with the saints of God in the church because there's just something. And here this woman comes into that place and she just comes into a place of absolute total adoration and worship. But what happens? The same thing that happens to every one of you and each one of us. The Bible says in verse 4 through 6, the devil begins to raise his voice against the accusation, uh, 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 to the accusation against her life. Look what he says. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. See what happens next when you begin to, to be free? Do you see what happens when you begin to be free and you begin to believe? That we are the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you know God's began a work and He who began a work in you will perform it and carry it on to completion. That He's working things into you. That He's taking care of things inside of you as you move forward into the harvest field and you begin to do the work of the Lord. That you're, that you're absolutely He is yours and uh, you are His and He is yours. And in the midst of that freedom, here comes the roar of the devil immediately. Here comes the wicked one coming. And the enemy lifts his hand and wants to bring an accurate against this woman's life. And here's what Jesus does for this woman. And this is exactly what you've got to do now as I close this message. Jesus came with the authority of His Word. Look what He says. Here's how He combated those lies and that voices. There was a voice that rose above every other voice. 
And here's what he told, here's what he said when Satan came against her and began to convince her otherwise. But Jesus said, verse 7, let her alone. Let her alone. By the authority of my word, let her alone. And this is what you got to stand on now. This is what you got to do, like Nana going in during the quarantine and going into this book and coming and telling us and calling us. I'm reading it myself. I'm reading it myself. Now she didn't have to call. She, I mean, we all call each other pray. I got accusations coming from the enemy. But she also can take this right here. Let me alone, voice of the wicked one who's a liar. Let me alone. I stand on the word. You come at me with your, with your, with your you know, you come at me, and, but I come back at you with the word of God. I don't come at you with just Brother Brad's word of God. I've been reading this myself. This is a word to me. I'm coming at you with this word myself. And we stand on the authority of God's Word. And that's what we're being trained every day to do as we go into the book, as we come to Sunday school classes, as we go to Wednesday night, as we come here. We're being trained to stand on the authority of God's Word ourselves, to go home and read it ourselves, to get in the book ourselves. We are being trained in the Word of God. And so even though you're serving the Lord in this warfare, you can have, lastly, an incredible joy of the Lord. And this is what I see missing in so many people lives and it's simply because of this whole message of what we're talking about go to this last scripture and then I got a song I want them to play at the end and here's the scripture Isaiah 61 you ought to turn there and you ought to mark it in your Bible Isaiah 61 you ought to mark the place and meditate on it this week because here's what it says it says I will greatly rejoice in the Lord some of you haven't rejoiced in a long time I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul, soul, you're going to be joyful in God. Command your soul. This is a commanding word this morning. Command your soul. Soul, you're not going to be cast down anymore. You're going to serve the Lord. Soul, you're going to get over the hurt. Soul, you're going to get over the pain. Soul, you're going to let the wounds of the past go. I got a message coming up on forgiveness and hate. We got a lot of that in our nation right now. Do not let it come into your heart. Do not let it come into your heart. Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why? Why? For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Are you saved today? Are you saved? Then you got a garment that is beautiful. You got a wedding garment on. Like when my bride put that garment on and looked so beautiful coming down the aisle. Like when my daughter-in-law a year ago put on a wedding garment and came down an aisle and looked so beautiful. You have been placed a garment on you by the Holy Spirit. The one who gets us ready to meet the bridegroom. He has put a wedding garment on you. Why are you trying to clean yourself up when it's the job of the Holy One to come and clean your life up? You can 
be glad today because He has clothed you with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Not self-righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Why can I rejoice? Why can I walk in the joy of the Lord? Because I'm pure in the eyes of God. I'm pure. What can wash away all my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I have been covered by a heavenly wedding dress. Oh God. Oh God, and when I, when I used to see pornography, fornication, lies, the things I've stole, and there's these spots all over me, and I'm saying, the devil's, yep, yep, yep. How can you, how can, God would accept you, you, and he's constantly, yeah, yeah, but look, I gave him that, and he put this on me. Look at this, devil. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm covered. I'm covered. And salvation is the covering of righteousness and sanctification is the character of righteousness. And as soon as you are saved, you are immediately covered in His righteousness. And then He begins to work on your character. But you are made clean. You are justified. You, 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 you are made right. Here, here's, a, here's an old hymn. And I'm going to have them play in a little bit different version. And it said like this. I don't know if you might know it. His be the victor's name. I hear the accuser roar of ills that I have done. I know them well, a thousand more. Jehovah findeth none. He findeth none. He findeth none. I've been washed in the blood of His Son. He findeth none. He findeth none. I've been washed in the blood of His Son. He findeth none. He findeth none. God is not frowning upon Brad Lindsay's life anymore because I am in Christ. I know my position now. I am in Christ. And it's out of that place He's working my sanctification. It's out of that place in Him that I'm secure. It's out of that place in Him that I don't have to go into a pit of despair and that now I can move out into the work of the Lord free of accusation and I can do the work of God that He's called me to do and He's called you folks. So I'm asking Him to open your eyes and my eyes that He may help us to see as He sees me. And the way He sees you is what you are yet to become what He's making you into, and the glorious end. The glorious end. The glorious end where He has made you everything He wants you to be. Father, we love You. Thank You for the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I believe this is a truth that is so vital now to us, God. Lord, that we need to know, God, we need to lo no longer be tormented in our conscience, Lord. Lord, in Adam, just in Adam, before I even sinned, God, just in Adam. In fact, Lord, one guy quoted it yesterday out of the McGuffey Reader. 
he, he, he quoted, he said, he said that we were, that we were in Adam. In Adam's fall, we sin all. He said that's in the McGuffey Reader. I don't know. In Adam's fall, we sin all. And God, that almost seems unfair. That even in Adam's sin, the whole of humanity were made sinners. Yet it's also not fair that in Christ, we all are made righteous. And God, if there's one here today, God, that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, God, they don't have peace in their conscience. God, You didn't give us a conscience to hound us. You didn't give us a conscience to hound us to hell. You gave us a conscience, Lord, to keep us from getting into trouble. It, it helps us to know right from wrong. And God, You want us to have peace in our conscience. You said the blood of bulls and goats couldn't give us that, but the blood of the Lamb can give us that. And so Lord, I pray today if there's one in this room that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior and Messiah, they've never made peace with God. They've never, they've never repented. A lot of things came out in that room about repentance, God, yesterday. And a nation that needs to repent. And a people that needs to repent. And a way into the Kingdom of God that comes through repentance. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And so Lord, if there's someone here that needs to repent and confess their sins, God, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. In Adam we all fell and we're all guilty. But in Christ, we can be made alive. And I literally died with Him. God, if I received Jesus and put my faith in Him, I literally was on that cross dying with Him. Oh, Jesus, thank You. And I was buried with Him, and now I'm raised with Him. And so, Lord, help us with that today. In Jesus' name.